All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an Rob Holmes, and today we're going to be talking about Color Out of Space, directed by Richard Stanley. So this is an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation of The Color Out of Space. Uh, It is... I actually thought it was really good. Uh, I've heard mixed reviews from people who said, you know, they they liked the concept of it, but they weren't 100% gung-ho with the execution. And they thought that, you know, something that would have been a Nicolas Cage vehicle felt more like he was just part of a larger ensemble cast, which in this case, that is very true. I think this was maybe marketed more as, you know, a Nicolas Cage starring vehicle. And while he is essentially the star of the film, it really is more of of this ensemble family cast. Uh, And if anyone was expecting a happy film, Color Out of Space is not a happy film. It is probably... I haven't seen all the H.P. Lovecraft adaptations, but I would say this felt more like one of his stories start to finish. Um, Having a narrator in the beginning through to the end... You know, I mean, there's Reanimator, Stuart Gordon did a bunch of them, From Beyond, and I feel like while those were really fun, they kind of had a campy feel to them, and this, this did not feel campy. It it got very, it got very real at a few moments, and Nicolas Cage got to kind of go out there and, and go a little bit full cage. It was very Vampire's Kiss, Nick Cage which apparently Richard Stanley really wanted from him because um, it's like one of his favorite Cage performances. And if you don't know who Richard Stanley is, uh, he directed um, Dust Devil, uh, Hardware, and the ill-fated Island of Dr. Moreau from, I think, 1995, uh, starring Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. Yeah, there's a whole documentary about it and how everything went wrong. So Richard Stanley hasn't done a feature, full-length feature film in, I want to say it was like 20, 23 years about that time. And then this this came out around, or 24 years almost. Um, This came out in 2019 and then on the festival circuit and then premiered in, you know, 2020 around, I think, uh, late January, early February, uh, but now, as of September 1st, is on Shudder. So that's where I checked it out. I wish I had watched it right away, because I had a blast with it. I thought it was really, really good. It doesn't really pull any punches as far as where it's willing to go. Um, there have been I think there's been five or six versions, uh, feature film, you know, adaptations of The Color Out of Space. Uh, There was one from the late 80s called The Curse, starring Will Wheaton. This is very different 
from that. While it did deal with the water getting infected by this uh, this meteorite that, that crashes down and just kind of leeches this stuff into, uh, into the water infecting everyone, they kind of mutated more into creatures throughout and it was it just felt more of a of a of a campy type horror film this this is just this is super creepy body horror that does some things that you would never expect a film to do there are there are some unspoken rules of horror i guess they aren't unspoken but there are some rules of horror that very few films are willing to to do. I would say it's like the killing of a kid, right? So Chuck Russell's The Blob is the first one that comes to mind that just is like, nah, it's we're just doing this. Okay, like movies like Assault on Precinct 13, sure. Those ones as well. But then this was just like, this was a different, this was like a whole new level. There's a moment where a kid in the movie, the youngest kid, uh, is is running he hugs his mom and there's this cosmic ray that hits them and they they merge together they merge together and at first you're expecting it to be something that's just very over the top and just mm, this is you don't see it at first but when you do it is it is quite effective I mean, it is really good effects work with it. Uh, Julie Richardson plays uh, the the mother in this film. She is amazing. She's done other films that have kind of in the same vein as this, like Event Horizon, because that's very much a cosmic horror film. I, I love Event Horizon. Um, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second. Event Horizon. I saw this movie in theaters back in, yeah, 1997. I was 14 years old. And I remember seeing Event Horizon, and I want to say, no, 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 no. There was a time when I saw The Frighteners and Fled at the same time, because it was 1996. I think Event Horizon, yeah, I saw I saw Event Horizon by, by itself. I didn't do, like, a double feature or anything. It was, it was just so good, man. I, I don't think I appreciated it as much when I first saw it. Um... But the more that I, I saw it, and when I would start introducing that film to a group of people, it, it became this more terrifying experience of a horror film. It's, it's a good film to watch with people. And I almost feel like this is that same type of movie where you want to watch it with people because you want to see what their reactions are, especially to a few key moments of this movie. I, I don't feel like it disappoints. I think some people also think that there's there's a lot of characters changing emotions and motivations very quickly, but that is what I guess the color is doing to them. You know, it's this it's this like purplish magenta, you know, between on the color spectrum of Roy G. Biv, it's between well the the V and the R going back around. If you were to make that like a, a full circle, you know. It's this, it doesn't fit on the regular, on the regular color chart. So it made it this very different cosmic force, this different entity. And, and the premise of this film is Nicolas Cage stars as, as a father, Nathan Gardner, Nathan Gardner uh, who is just living out in, 
I want to say he's in Arkham, right? He, he's living out, I think, in the Arkham area, which is always used in these uh, in these HP Lovecraft stories. You know, it's a very common place because, you know, he does Arkham and, and it's all dealing with Massachusetts and places that he lived in Providence and everything like that. So he, he is the father. Um, you have Lavinia, his daughter, Teresa, his wife, Jack, one of his sons, and he has another kid as well. I want to say his name's like Billy or something like that. Benny. It's not Billy. It's Benny. You know, his life seems pretty normal. And there's this guy who is essentially our narrator for the film, Ward Phillips, which is a nod to H.P. Lovecraft, Howard Phillips Lovecraft, uh, played by Elliot Knight. And he is, uh, like, environmentalist. He is working as a—he keeps talking about hydrologist, right? So he's a hydrologist. And he's going around testing the water, uh, just checking the area out, I guess because they're going to put a dam or something in there. But the the whole premise of this is that— Everybody kind of gets in this family is drinking this water. So, so first of all, I have to get to what happens. So this meteor crashes into Earth one night, but before it does, there's this there's this just purple magenta light that illuminates everything in the area, and it just kind of like takes control. Um, it's very hypnotic, uh, and this thing crashes to to Earth. So, uh, the youngest son, Jack, basically just becomes fascinated by this. For a bit, there's a moment where he, he just, he's, he's very, you know, shocked, I guess, by stuff that's going on. Anyway, the, the, the whole thing is, is the family slowly starts to get infected. This thing is starting to change everything around it. They have someone come out and check it. Uh, the hydrologist comes out and checks it. And he's, like, you know, talking about, yeah, it's a meteorite. By the time they actually have, like, the news team come out there, and I think the mayor and other people, it's just gone. It's kind of dropped itself into the well. So now it's kind of gotten into the water system. And by kind of, I mean, now it's gotten into their water system. So the family is drinking this water, and you're seeing it end up in in different forms throughout the house. Uh, so Nick Cage has, like, when he, he's, he's a very heavy drinker in this film, and the ice cubes are, you know, made with that water. So occasionally you see the shimmer of uh, the color. I'm just going to call it that. Um, that is infecting inside of it, or is gotten inside of this, and then, you know, he's drinking that, so it's slowly driving him mad, and at the same time, kind of like, I mean, it's taking everyone over. At one point, he actually gets this jellyfish-like thing that pops its tendrils onto his arm, and then throughout the film, you're watching him just go through these changes because it's it's assimilating him, it's turning him in uh, to something else. Because you're watching, you know, it stuff happen to animals and creatures throughout this film. Like, things are changing. Uh, he has, what does he have? He has alpacas. So, apparently, he's like an alpaca farmer thinking like, yep, this is it. This is the future. It's all about alpacas and alpaca milk, which is kind of gross. But he really likes to drink his alpaca milk. It, it, yep. It, it, there's there's a moment where these alpaca merge together in it uh, and become kind of this thing like monstrosity because of everything that's going on in the area and unfortunately it happens to their dog as well if you have an issue with animals getting injured in films or, or killed in movies oh man you're not gonna like this if you have an issues with if you have an issue with dogs dying in films you're not gonna like this but I will say for the dog stuff you don't really see it 
you're kind of seeing, I guess, the, the post result. So it's kind of like if you just saw the, the dog monster from the thing, but you didn't see the dog ahead of time turn into it and its face, you know, pop open type stuff, then yeah, 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 this is just fine. This is no issue whatsoever. I think you'll, I think you'll be okay with it. If you're squeamish with any of that stuff, no. I mean, if you're squeamish with body horror, this is definitely not going to be the movie for you. You're not really going to want to see this. There's some really good practical effects. Yes, there's some CG in this, uh, especially with, like, the, the insect changing around. And, you know, obviously with um, being able to uh, put the color in there and, and the, you know, how it's changing the world and it's putting this new... It's really cool, man. It's like it's it's changing the entire environment around it. Annihilation kind of took the premise of color out of space and and went with it a little further. That's why it's not really an adaptation as more as it's just taking story elements and then taking it to a whole it's I think it's more inspired by, you know. But it definitely deals with that cosmic horror and something that is now changing the environment around it. So instead of it happening to to like a farmer and his family, you're watching it happen to this group of, of scientists for in annihilation, you know. And then it goes into its own totally uh, different realm. But this movie also has Tommy Chong in it, and you would think that because it has Tommy Chong that it's going to be some cheesy, really just crappy B-movie. No, no, Tommy Chong's really good in this. I mean, it's not... It's not a, what is it, Evil Bong or something? Man, I totally, I screwed, it's some, you know how they have the, the trauma uh, bong films, like the Evil Bong films? It's not that. He, yes, he's a stoner, totally, because it's Tommy Chong, but his role is really cool as this, as this squatter on, you know, uh, the Gardner's property, or Gardner's property. So yeah, as a squatter on the Gardner's property, uh, it, it's a cool role, man. I mean, because it's it, there's a little more complexity because the the oldest son Benny is always going down there, and you know, getting high with him and stuff. But Tommy Chong's character Ezra becomes he's like their source of knowledge that you're getting stuff throughout. You know, he's like the one who knows the most stuff. But obviously, he's going to meet a fate because that's how it always happens. People go visit him a few times, and by like the third or fourth time, you know, that's it. You know, it's like you see him a couple of times and then someone goes to see him once shit hits the fan and it's like, oh, we're going to find him dead, but okay. But he recorded a lot of what was what was going on because um, he talks about Memorex uh, tapes and there's a whole thing about how Memorex actually lasts, I think, longer. The old school tapes were better. At ho this is a okay, this is a strange tangent because this w reminds me of another story I read about recently, which involves a film that has nothing to do with cosmic horror, but it deals with the way old school devices would record stuff and retain them for longer. And he, I think he mentioned something about Memorex and the old school way of recording. Uh, apparently, Friday the 13th, part two, they have found the old uh, VHS master with all of the deleted scenes, and because of the type of tape that it was on, uh, they had to bake it to get it to unstick together because it was it was stuck from, you know, sitting around for so long, moisture in the environment and stuff. But they were able to bake it and have all this stuff restored. And apparently the quality is really good because the way tapes used to be made before was heavy mass uh, quantity of, of trying to get that stuff out cheaper and cheaper and cheaper that it's 
I mean, that's that's the thing is that this stuff, some of it lasts. I don't know why I was just talking about that. It just kind of reminded me of it for some reason. But anyway, isn't that neat? That's awesome because I didn't... You think some of this stuff's going to be lost forever because you're like, oh, man, the quality has to be worse if it was in the early 80s and, and late 70s for some of this stuff or even earlier. Oh, man, it has to be terrible. But then you realize the cost that it was to manufacture these tapes was astronomical. So therefore... I feel like the quality at that point was higher because they weren't dropping down the film grade quality uh, or, you know, the, the quality of the film itself in order to mass produce tapes. So that's just cool. It's something I didn't know. I don't know if if anyone actually finds that interesting or not. Anyway, getting back to to Color Out of Space, this film is just like... It's so interesting because you have you have the daughter Lavinia who is a witch or Wiccan or she they, they talk about the different she's doing a ceremony in the beginning and, and Ward kind of interrupts as he's doing his survey stuff. And you know, she she um, mentions like, oh, you interrupted my ceremony thing, and he actually asks between like, is it this type or this type? And he's like, I think it's this because of whatever. It was that was kind of cool. I liked that because it just felt like I don't know for some reason the writing in this film feels very natural, and I can see how some people would be like, oh, this film is kind of boring. Oh, I don't understand what's going on. Oh, it's kind of all over the place. I would say that I think the 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 dialogue in here is is pretty solid. Uh, it sounds like how a family would talk with each other. Now the random outbursts and the changes. Um, in behavior, especially with Nicolas Cage, you do for a couple of moments, you're seeing it kind of through his point of view, but then when other people show up, you're, you're seeing how he is just losing his mind. Like he sees everyone downstairs, then he goes upstairs and you know, it's like he, he won't, once his wife and his son merge together, it's like he won't kill them. Cause there's a moment you're like, oh, he's going to blow their brains out with a shotgun. And then he switches his mood again and he becomes nice. And it's like he has these this this split personality that that just keeps happening because he's acting on his impulses. So there's a movie called Impulse. I think it's from 1981. Tim Matheson and Meg Tilly. And the idea behind that film is that there is something that is causing people to act out on their impulses. They can seem nice one minute and then they're losing it the next minute. And it actually, it isn't the color out of space, but it's very similar when you, when you think about what it is, but it's more of a realistic version. So in Impulse, there's something that's infecting a, a local drinking supply. And in this, it's the same concept of that, but in Impulse, they focus more on the emotions and people acting out on base emotions. So if they're angry, like a woman takes her car and just rams into another car repeatedly until she knocks herself out on a steering wheel or whatever because she's hit the car so many times. It's people just acting out on all of their desires because of of something that's being consumed. And it's the same type of thing um, in this. And you're getting those type of emotional responses. But I think for some people, because it's Nicolas Cage, they just think it's Cage going full Cage. But it's not... It's it's Cage acting out on impulse and emotion, and w which in essence could be full Cage, but there's a reason behind it. It's not him just doing it for the sake of doing it. This is very 
you're watching his his mental breakdown and mental deconstruction throughout the entire film and then seeing it through someone else's eyes you see how severe it's actually gotten because you're watching it through his and you're watching him lash out at his family at a couple of moments but then he goes back to being nice then he's lashing out but it, it escalates to the point where you think he's just completely lost it because he's like, no, my family's here, my family's fine, and he's saying that they're all downstairs in the in the living room with him, and he's, you know, talking about, oh, I'm gonna go have a drink, but he seems like he's totally just not there. People have shown up, this is, I think, when Ward and, and one of the, uh, the sheriffs show up to the house, and they know everyone is just, everything is just completely off um because they they see the daughter lavinia is just like it's not it's not good right so oh no they haven't seen lavinia yet because she's upstairs being assaulted by her mom brother creature combo that thing has evolved and turned into some weird beast which was like oh shit okay well there's no saving them so the whole idea behind cage going up there so they go up there and, and all of a sudden you're like oh my god what's gonna happen and something blows off jolie richardson's head and and the son's head and yeah it's nick cage he's up there with the shotgun and he's just like yep had to be done you know and it's it is jarring and i know some people have been like what the hell that made no sense like how is he just down there and up there it's like, we don't understand what's going on with time. We know that, remember, time keeps passing. There's all these things, there's all these factors going on at once. And they don't try and tie it up into a nice, neat bow. That's not the point of this movie. The point is, is that it's cosmic horror. It, it, it's a downer, man. Usually they don't have some sort of happy type ending. And I think for some people, they didn't understand that with Lovecraft, there's usually a narrator telling this whole story. So there's usually a survivor of some sort telling what has happened. And I think some people were expecting this movie to just kind of end with, with it just being like everyone's dead or Nick Cage survives everything a la Mandy and just stares off at a camera uh, having just destroyed all these creatures, which wouldn't really make sense since he, you know murdered his family not all of his family but a, a couple of them half half of his family w benny disappearing into the well because he thought the dog was down there it's like benny benny you should know better i will say benny is kind of the character that's just there i mean he does some things in it but i almost feel like benny's character was was like will wheaton's character maybe from like the curse but not aware of anything because he's just like hanging out with Tommy Chong's character getting like super high and losing track of time standing out in the field like walking with the alpacas and stuff next thing you know he's like I don't know all of a sudden it was dark outside and what's cool is for a while it does seem like it's Lavinia and Benny's movie for a few moments it's like brother and sister are gonna kind of like save their little brother and get out even if it kills the parents What's what's interesting is that this film in the beginning subverts some of the weirdness and tries to chalk some of it up to just things going on in someone's life, you know, life events. Because Julie Richardson, so she she has cancer, but she's also working a lot. She has crazy deadlines, and she has mentioned 
at a couple of points that the internet was going out a bunch and, you know, she can't get this stuff done, that she has to. So there's a moment in the film where she's just staring as she's chopping stuff up and losing track of time and it's, oh man, it's just like, it's cringy because she cuts her fingers off in one of these weird, strange moments and then this little, the little son sees it and says something, and then she holds her hand up, and the missing two fingers and blood spraying around. She's like, dinner's ready. And then I was like, oh, no. Uh, and then they have to take her to the hospital to get her fingers sewn back on. So she's in surgery for a while. But it was, it was strange because she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe this. And he's like, no, no, it has to be like your, your meds and stuff or something like that or the illness or, you know, the, there, there's, there's a reason to try and justify what is going on. It's not just this movie. This, what I, what I like about this film is that it, it, it doesn't disregard regular life. It doesn't disregard things that are happening with a family like Lavinia um, liking Ward, you know, she meets him and kind of has a crush on him a little bit. So you get a little bit of stuff going on there, but it's not like a romantic over the top. We're going to have this this crazy subplot of how, you know, she's going to pine after him or something and, and they're going to have this little like love affair. No, it's just how some people are. They they flirt around or whatever and that's it. It's kind of it's kind of left from there. It doesn't have to kind of it doesn't have to like be tied up at the end or or anything like that. And that goes for a lot of different things in this movie. Like like watching, you know, people would say, "Well, why would this family stay if all this stuff started happening?" And it's like, "Well, they've already been infected like since the second they got there and the second they drank anything." And you're watching people drink stuff the entire time. And anyone who thought Lavinia was going to be fine, she's drinking, like, tea and stuff right away. Microwaving going to kill that shit. You know that everyone has gotten infected one way or another. But I guess you don't really realize how serious it is until... I guess it really is that moment where we get to where they, they've gone inside. I keep forgetting who's gone inside the barn. Uh, to see this, like, these weird creatures, this, this, uh, alpaca dog creature that can shoot a laser out of it, its face, body, thing, and that's the cosmic beam that, that hits and assimilates, uh, Julie Richardson and her son, and I, I will say, like, they, they make it so much more horrifying by not showing it right away. Uh, but then you see them inside of, you see the, the, the reactions of Nick Cage and, and, uh, his daughter. I don't know if the son's there. I think he is at that point, the older son. And the reactions are just like, oh, it's, it's shock and shock and horror. I think the only reason they don't go hundred percent batshit crazy is because they're already infected by this stuff. It's already changing their DNA and, and altering them. Seeing her on the couch and just seeing the arm just sticking out and holding, I forget what, oh, it's, it's because her hand is all bandaged up, so you see the bandaged hand, but you see this kind of like steam coming off of her, and all I can think of is, is Brundlefly for some reason, teleportation gone wrong, emerging of two bodies, and that's exactly what it is which starts to become this strange assimilation 
because it's like she's eating her child and can't talk and speak because they've they were hugging when they merged so his face is coming out of her back it's very graphic it's very horrifying he's got that 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 uh magenta purplish glow in his face in a couple of different areas it is ab- it is brutal man like oof very unsettling because this movie is not it's not playing for comedy and it's not playing for for camp it is not it is not from beyond because to me from beyond is i hate calling it a b movie but it 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 has this it's that 80s film man it's just a really awesome cosmic crazy 80s horror film but this this film has a much more bleak realistic feel to it and i think that's what makes this work so well because the the older son he you know he goes into this well to try and rescue the dog but he sees that it's the it's the rock and it kind of opens up and just obliterates him like the beam this beam just comes up and it just gone we never see him again he's well okay when we see we do see like uh, an image of him but it's not really him it's just this idea uh, it's the way that everything is kind of merging at this point it's very bizarre and it's not all supposed to make sense because you're dealing i mean none of this really a cosmic ray merging people together also everyone starts going crazy also now you're growing new flora and there's now new fauna and you have insects that are evolving very quickly and they also have that color and look to them and what makes this even bleaker is that this is the beginning we just watched a ground zero that was it that was it we didn't see where this went to afterwards because we see the dam at the end and we see that there's a little bit of that hue still in the sky and around, you know, this this isn't over. I mean, the house, so at the end of the film, like the house um, and everything in it just it explodes. It just all goes. Because the daughter, I think she she finally, it's just, it's this cosmic energy just finally it just bursts out. And somehow Ward is able to survive by just like ducking down into the cellar uh, and everything up top is leveled. It just becomes this ash. So it goes from this color to this gray. And that's, that's what's left once it's done. It's, everyone is gone. Nick Cage, he's dead. You know, Lavinia's dead. Jolie Richardson's had her head blown off because she turned into a creature. Their son, Jack, had his head blown off because he turned into a creature. The other son just vaporized. Tommy Chong, dead and getting, you know, merged in by everything around. Oh, yeah, and then one of the cops, as they're walking out of there, the tree just reaches down, grabs him, lifts him up, crushes him, and then stabs him in the eye. Amazing. Like, that. that's some evil dead shit. But it was awesome, man, because it was like, yep, it affects everything. This is how it's going to affect this. It's now turning the tree into kind of like a like a Venus flytrap or some sort of like carnivorous plant. It's cool. It's strange. I mean, that's what this movie is. It's cool and it's strange and it's unexplainable. And and there's going to be people out there who who hate it and they're like, oh, this isn't what I, I wanted this to be some crazy Nick Cage film. You know what, man? Then watch a crazy Nick Cage film. I think he's doing some great stuff right now. 
This is one of my favorite films of the year, easily. Like, I, I just thought it was really well done. Uh, his performance was amazing. Everybody's performance in this film was top-notch. There was cosmic dread in this. This is Richard Stanley. Like, I didn't know what to expect because I've seen Island of Dr. Moreau. And, and you know, I talked about studio interference last time. That's that that's like a prime example. And there's a documentary on that, so you can watch that. A um, lot, of, lot of just different parts and people involved in that, that ill-fated film. But <clears throat> this, man, if, if um, I don't think he needed a redemption at all because he's had a, a very good career um, working on different, I think, documentaries and stuff now and, and, and other projects. So he's been doing just fine. But holy shit, man. Welcome back to Feature Films. Uh, hopefully you do a ton more of these because... You're a fantastic director, um, and and this film does leave a lot of what people could, you know, a lot up to interpretation, but at the same time, if you know Lovecraft stories, I feel like this is one of the most faithful adaptations in, in its structure and, and just in general. I, I just really enjoyed it. it. It felt like a solid narrative for me the entire way through. It did some things that I never, I just was not expecting to have happen. And it, it pushed the limits a little bit on what you would think would happen in one of these films. Because it was like, it's all about the family type thing. And it's just like, holy shit, man, this is, this is horrific. There needs to be more movies like this. It was a $6 million budget, right? Granted, I think it's only made about a million. But distribution rights, especially for something like this that's coming out in 2020, distribution rights are, are going to be huge because you're thinking about you're thinking about international stuff. You're thinking about like where you want to have it go. Obviously, it's premiering on Shutter after having its run um, in limited theaters and VOD. So, Shutter has bought the rights to it for now. That's fantastic. I don't know what they paid for it, whatever. But I feel like this is going to be the way that a lot of these. Um, filmmakers who don't fit into the regular system are going to be making these more innovative avant-garde out-of-the-box films and hopefully this this continues uh in that way and we get to start seeing more uh, of, of this stuff where people don't have to pull their punches could you imagine if any major studio was behind this they would no. this movie it'd be like wait we got nick cage all right it's going to be a PG-13 action vehicle. It, it would not have been good at all. Everyone would have survived at the end, probably. The entire family. You would have lost maybe one or two people and some animals in it, but they would have had everyone survive, and it would have been like, oh, the whole family came together, and through the power of love, we were able to stop it. That's that's like the, the, the studio approach to this. This movie is not that. This movie is anything but that. Uh, I can understand if people aren't fans of this. Look, I've just seen, I've seen a lot of movies, all right? I've seen a ridiculous amount of films. I've seen a lot of good stuff, and I've seen a lot of bad stuff. This held my attention the entire time. I am fascinated with cosmic horror. I'm not an expert in it. I, I've read a little bit of Lovecraft, but not a ton. 
And it's all it's cool to see something that's not like the Call of Cthulhu redone over and over, or the Mountains of Madness, which I know that Guillermo del Toro wants to make at the Mountains of Madness, but I feel like the budget's going to be too high, and it's going to be some mega-celebrity starring in this. And, I don't know, man, I feel like there's going to be a lot of studio interference, and I just... I, I don't have high hopes for it. I think if you're going to do something like that, it kind of does need to be an indie film, and people go, well, how? Because... It sounds like the budget would be so high for a movie like this. Does it have to be? Do you need those wide open, like, vista shots and stuff? Like, do you have to? And if you do, I don't remember movies from, like, the 80s having $100 million budgets. Do you? I think they did just fine. They did some crazy shit. They were super innovative on, on you know, pretty low budgets. You could do at the Mountains of Madness for a for a decent budget. I think it could be good. For some reason, I feel like when when you put Guillermo del Toro's name on it now, though, um, people are gonna hate me for this, but it doesn't necessarily make it good. I mean, it's it just meh. I don't know. Well, I mean, if he's directing, okay. But I saw Pacific Rim. It wasn't it was not a um. I mean, it exists. It's a movie, not a good one, but it's a movie. I, I think Emerald del Toro is good, but he, he does use a lot of CG in his films. If you're doing something like At the Mountains of Madness or any of these, any of these Lovecraft films, use it sparingly. You don't want to go overboard with that stuff because even movies like The Mist, it's not a Lovecraft film, but it's pretty damn close as far as the idea behind it. It's, you know, it's Stephen King's short story, but you can see where a lot of the inspiration comes from. The CG in that is absurd. Granted, he wanted to do it black and white, so you wouldn't actually... If you did that movie in black and white, and I know there's a version on the DVD, maybe the Blu-ray, that you can watch it like that. But unfortunately, the studio was like, people don't want to watch movies in black and white. It's like, well, okay. Um, which is why they remade Psycho. <laughs> which, um... Does anybody still watch the 1998 remake of Psycho? Anyone anyone probably not because it's pointless it's pointless it's actually just about as pointless as the remake of funny games same director for that too which is just kind of like oh you wanted to make an american version in english okay how about read subtitles how about that introduce it to people that way because it, it's just yeah I don't know, I have a lot of issues with, with how films are done. I mean, I'm pretentious as fuck. I'll admit it, you know? I'm, I can also be a fucking hypocrite, too, because there are times where I'm like, oh, I hate CG, I'd never use CG, but, like, I'm, I'm working on a, a cosmic horror film myself right now, and there's going to be a little bit, not, like, CG creatures, because I want to do practical on that, but, you know, there will be utilized green screen. That's just how it is, but I'm trying to incorporate practicals into that, so, you know, those are my, my, you know, key elements and stuff. I get it, to a point, on why people would want to use it. I, I think that Guillermo del Toro uses too much of it. I think Stuart Gordon started using, <laughs> he, like, Dagon. Dagon's cool, man. Dagon's a fun movie. It shouldn't be. It, it shouldn't be, but it is because it, it goes... It kind of does what, what Color Out of Space does, where it's like, oh, it went there. Holy shit. 
Like, the violence sometimes is like, I cannot believe they actually did what they just did. Wow. And it, it, it's one of those, like, a lot, with a lot of Lovecraft, it's a downer of an ending. But the CG in that, too, in, in the same way, well, it's not as... It's worse than The Mist. Like, The Mist CG is is questionable, especially when, when Chris Owen uh, gets hit with the tentacle in the... Uh, in the supermarket in the back area that, that tries to pull him under and starts tearing away at his flesh. It just didn't look right. You know, it has that, like, very rubbery, um, no, not even rubbery, but kind of just this, like, slick plastic look to it. And you're like, oh, yeah, this doesn't look like it's actually existing in the environment that it's in because it's not. So maybe black and white would have worked better for that. But, you know, at this point, it's just kind of like, you're not getting that, you know? Like, that's not... And then they did the TV show The Mist, which is just bullshit. Have you seen The Mist TV show? It's not the movie. Not even close. It doesn't even go off the same concept, really. Fucking train wreck. I know some people might like it, but you know what? You're wrong. It's bad. No, actually, you can be right for liking it. I mean, that's your own thing. But is it good? No. And if you say it's good, you're wrong. It's fundamentally not well made. It just isn't. It's not well written, it's not well filmed, not well produced, not well edited, not well acted. But that's the TV show, you know? I mean, that happens. And somehow made it like two seasons, I think. Like Anyway, I would definitely recommend seeing uh, Color Out of Space if you haven't already, which means I've spoiled a lot of the movie for you. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Color Out of Space is, is solid, so have your friends see it. Have them come over and watch this film with you so you can see their reactions. This is a movie to get reactions to. It's fantastic. Anyway, that'll do it for Oh the Horror this week. Um, we're gonna have, I'm trying to do this potentially weekly now. We will see if I can actually keep up with that. Oh, I really hope I can. Until next time, I've been Rob Holmes, and this has been Oh the Horror. Time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man.